Hello and welcome to Any Fans on the Perfect Attitude Podcast where we talk more Euro 2020 matches and less over 18 content. Today on the podcast we'll be talking about Belgium versus Italy, a massive game in the Euro 2020 quarterfinal stages and yeah we'll be breaking that game down. Today I'm joined by German football expert Arvin Babel. So yeah, let's get straight into the action and round up another jam-packed day of Euro 2020 matches. Trying to come back with him, but he's round him. Insigne, ah! What a hit! Two for Italy! Courtois beaten again! And the number one ranked team in the world are two down! So yeah, let's get straight into this game. Um, I think initial thoughts are important as we're just talking about this game today. Um, Arvin, what are your thoughts on the game as a whole? Was it an even contest? Were you impressed by the standards of the game? As this is a big game, sometimes doesn't live up to your expectations. I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, big games. Um, you, you know, obviously, we have big expectations, and Belgium, Italy. Wow, that first half was banging. Jesus Christ, end to end, it was literally like basketball. LeBron James, obviously, aka I don't know. Barella, whatever, just bombarding forward, down, up, wherever, wherever you want him to be. He was just there, to be honest, the entire Italy midfield. And wow, Jesus Christ, Italy. Now, I thought, I thought from the group stages, I thought, you know, Italy haven't really faced that big team yet, that big, that big team that could really stretch them and, you know, show them a real fight. And I feel like they hadn't had, they hadn't had that throughout the group stages and even around 16. But to be fair, Austria did give them a fight. Now was that point where they had Belgium, they had the chance to prove that, you know, no matter what team they face, whether it's small or big, they're still going to beat them anyway. And they did that against Belgium excellently. Yeah, I mean, Italy today, everyone was saying Belgium were going to win. I'm sure a majority of people, you know, Harry Crick in the group chat was saying Belgium are going to win. But Italy, you know, I backed them since even the first game I saw them. I know, you know, people are saying this squad isn't built for the big games. They can just beat your Turkeys, your Wales, your Switzerlands. But I can tell by their style of football that they are a very special group as a whole. And maybe a few more points about this is the team unit is almost like a club. It's not like a national team. You know, Insigne, other players have come out in interviews and said this squad is so close off the pitch. And you can tell on the pitch they fight for each other. They When one goes forward, the other one covers. They know each other really well and... You know, I'm not really surprised. In terms of Belgium, you know, I'm not, I'm not surprised what's happened to them as well. To be honest, Roberto Martinez is, is a Wigan manager, not a national star in my opinion. But you know, let's let's talk about let's talk about Italy first. I think let's talk about the main team who I think could reach the final at this stage. Let's start talking about their star player. One goal, one assist today for I'm gonna do an Italian accent. Nicola Barella. Nicola Barella. Yeah, great performance today. That goal where he's turned the, the defenders and smashed it into the bottom corner and then the assist as well for... Oh my God, I don't even know bloody... Insignia, Insignia. there we go. Uh, oh yeah. So, Barella, I mean, Ovin, what are your thoughts on Barella today? It was the first game he's turned up for the tournament and how did he play? I wouldn't say it was the first game he's turned up because obviously we saw him in that dynamic midfield throughout the first two um, match days. So I think, yeah, Taron's just flexing in the background. He's actually quite distracting. But um, yeah, no, <laughs> Italy, they were very good. Brella, again, excellent. And Jorginho, and who was a Verratti in midfield now. I thought the midfield wouldn't really work because I think Brella and Verratti would really, ne- not necessarily clash, but in terms of playing styles that they usually, you know, I just feel like they have very similar playing styles. I just don't think they would fit in as a team. I thought you'd have to start either Locatelli but, you know, he came out, Ratti came in, and as you said, you know, club, it's really like a club. They know each other well off the pitch. So whoever comes in does the job. 
And yeah, Barella was just fantastic today. I mean, especially against Belgium. Tielemans and Axel Witzel, not the best midfield, but not certainly the worst one either. So up against them, you know, Italy's pulling up midfield was just, you know, turned up today. Barella was one of those stars, you could say, Lana Rhodes, you know, type mm. of midfielder, I guess. I say the midfield, Jorginho is more like, I say Asai Akira, you know, he does it in all, he makes other players flourish. When Asai Akira is making a video, she makes the man usually look better. If you look at Lana Rose, I say that's more Verratti, I'd say very pleasing on the eye, but, you know, very, very open at times when he leaves the space open. And Barella is just, I don't even know, Karina Kopf, this absolute star. And, you know, I'm going to cop Barella's only fan today, but, you know, let's talk about more about Italy's football. Wow, just... The defence, first of all, you see teams when they're good going forward, they don't have a strong defence, but this Italy team, they play some some sexy, sexy football. Where they, they pass the ball around, they ping the midfield, is very compact. And when it comes to defending, bloody hell, they're, they're gladiators on, on the Roman stadium right now. And, you know, what, do, what would you talk about Italy's football? It is pure, pure sex, isn't it? If you want to say it that way, then 100%, yeah. No, Italy's defence, man. Dogged, like, you know, doggy stuff like that, you know, whatever you whatever you want to say about that. They're just <laughs> dogged, they're really, really dogged, I have to say. You know, even even coming into this tournament, obviously, you know, when you see the attack in the group stages, I do feel like maybe people would have assumed that they had lost their um, defensive arts, but no, this, this team is still, you know, in keeping with Italian traditions of just being absolutely defensively solid. And the midfield and attack have just improved, to be honest. And to be fair, in the attack, I thought that Insignia, Mobile, Berardi wouldn't really turn up in some games because they're not your typical star names. But, you know, they turn up today and Insignia, wow, what a banging goal. Yeah, oh my God, that goal. I mean, you've led it on perfectly. You know, this is why I have you as a host on there. I could have got Barry Banzo on there. But you've led it on perfectly on Lorenzo Insignia. Oh, this, they're attacking threats. We've said that, I think, on this podcast a number of times. How many Italy kind of podcasts we've done? Maybe four, five, six. And we've talked about, you know, the midfield is beautiful, like Busquets, Iniesta and Xavi, maybe not to that extent, but you get what I mean. The defence is beautiful, but the attack, it's not really the big, big names, and they don't get the goals. But today, Chiesa was dangerous, Insigne was dangerous, and Mobile, I don't really rate Mobile that highly, unfortunately, but I thought Insigne was really good. And we can talk about Insigne's performance today. Has he, you know, he's been gifted in every single game of starting place, despite a number of stinkers he's dropped. Mancini has rotated between Berardi and Chiesa, but he's kept Insigne. I mean, do you understand Mancini's thinking of keeping Insigne? And why do you kind of think that he's always been starting in, in the games for Italy? Well, he always, even even if Insigne doesn't have a good game, but I feel like he is that one player that can turn it on each time not as in turn it on as in you know it's um in in that way but definitely as in he can always have his moments as a player you can always have his moments as a player and we saw that today i mean he wasn't actually in the first half definitely i thought he was good but in the second half obviously he dropped off a little bit but he's always that player that when he has his moments he does score he does provide those chances and even he can turn half chances into you know goals and same with immobile to be honest they can turn it on every single time you know in certain moments so i think he's always kept there as always he's always named as a danger and we know what insignia is capable of we've seen that napoli you know we've seen his star shining through so i think 
you know, even with the um, additions of Chiesa, who has had a good season for Juventus as well. Obviously, dating back to around 16, he had he scored three out of four Juventus goals. You know, he he was good there. And obviously, Berardi, who I don't know you don't rate, but he's in there for a job. He does chat back really well. So, yeah, Insignia, yeah, I mean, they I don't actually know if they have another left winger. I don't think they actually do. So maybe they could be forced into playing Insignia. But whatever Mancini's doing right now, well, he's getting the best out of him. And, you know, obviously we saw that with the goal today. Mm. Uh, Bernadeschi is an option for them, but he really didn't impress in that game against Wales mm. where he kind of came in. But yeah, I get everything. I mean, Insignia is that player who can, I don't know why I always speak like that, who, 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 bloody hell. He can you know, turn up in any situation and just, you know, cause something dangerous. And maybe Chiesa doesn't really have that ability, neither does Brady. But in those clutch moments, I guess Insigne will score a banger. He will get a mad assist and, you know, he is gifted in that final third. So, yeah, very, very good. I mean, we've talked about the attack to a radical extreme. Now let's go back, you know, a few steps, just walk about 50 metres back to the defence. And we, oh, this defence today. Chiellini was back in. Acerbi, Acerbi, Acerbi was, was subbed out today. And, you know, even in the last 10 minutes where Chiellini, I believe Spinazzola, before he got injured, we will discuss that in a second, when he made that block from Lukaku, did you see Chiellini and Benucci oh, yeah. just going over to him? But the way he did that, it was just beautiful. I mean, Chiellini and Bonucci, absolutely fantastic defending today. And just just beautiful. I mean, what is it that makes it, it, Italy, it, Italy's defence so solid? What would you kind of bring it down to? Is that passion? Is that strength? Is there experience? What is the biggest factor that causes his defence to play so well? I think it's a bit of all, to be honest. Passion, obviously, that's what they have. You can see that the way they sing their national anthem. They're like, ah, whatever. I don't know. I don't. I'm not taking. I'm not taking the mic here, but that's genuinely what they do. <laughs> but um, experience as well. Obviously, we know how old Bonucci and Chiellini are. They're essentially, you know, basically in retirement home. I don't know in about a few years. So, in terms of football, anyway. So yeah, experience. I mean, to be honest, I was a bit surprised that Lukaku didn't get as many chances as he did. But it just comes down to the fact that Bonucci and Chiellini know how to deal with these, you know, athletic, strong, fast strikers. And especially Di Lorenzo is a bit of a surprise for me because, well, I haven't seen him play that much this season. And, you know, Spinazzola as well, who hasn't been number one choice for Juventus, he's coming. Obviously, the injury is devastating. I mean, I, I don't know, Emerson Palmieri, I, I don't know if he'll do a better job than Spinazzola. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, just this defence in general has been very good. Do you know what, man? I think that's going to be a big, big loss for Italy. You've talked about the defence, but let's move on to the Spinazzola injury. That is going to be massive for them. He's been such a good player defensively going forward. He's been, for me, one of their key players alongside Jorginho. Without them two, this isn't the same kind of system. And Emerson, from what I've seen of him, he doesn't take people on. He's just a lemon, in my opinion, just an Italian lemon. Like He doesn't do anything in the pitch um, to, to really you know, emulate what Spinazzola does. But I believe the injury, he has torn his Achilles, which I know, obviously not to that extent, but Achilles injuries are serious. We look at Hudson-Odoi, Loftus-Cheek. I don't know any Bayern players that have had that kind of Achilles injury, but it is a big, big injury. You know, the Achilles is kind of the tendon that causes all of your movements and you know, I might as well just sign up for a hospital course right now. But it is, is a massive, massive tendon and he is going to be out for a, a number of months. But, you know, he's had a great tournament. He definitely will have a number of suitors at his door after this. And yeah, fair play to him. But, you know, any any extra news on that injury, Arvin, that I know you are a German football expert. 
and he and he's a, jo- a German, German this is Italian yeah, but no, yeah no, um, same flag as, same flag, as per reports same. right now really I've looked on Twitter there's only really obviously he needs the scans tomorrow and stuff like that so they're gonna they're gonna do all the uh, diagnosis and stuff uh, tomorrow and uh, well tomorrow morning and hopefully you know be uh, shipped off to hospital soon so well if he needs surgery then they'll do that so yeah currently all we know is that uh, he he's torn his achilles which is horrible as you say hudson door he's not really the same player as he was before so he lost a cheek not really either so yeah no it's 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 painful really yeah it's not nice is it it's, it's, it's not great you saw the lad crying as soon as it happened uh, you could see, and the stretcher came, and it's just never nice. It's never a nice sign. There's not really any jokes about this, but unfortunately, Spinazzola will be out for a long time. In my opinion, one of the best names in football, Leonardo Spinazzola. What a name, but he will be out for a long time. But, you know, we've talked about sad, good, bad, everything about Italy. It's time to get on to the best team in our losing quarterfinal games, Belgium. So, yeah, let's start talking about Belgium. Yeah, I saw in the script here, you write, the golden generation in the kind of asterisk failed again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for me, this is their last, this was their last opportunity. KDB will be upwards of 30 years old, 32 years old uh, for the World Cup. Lukaku, actually, mm, I don't know if it is, because the defence definitely, they're done. Is there any players? Jason Denier, uh, Dedrick Bayata. There's not really any players who are going to really, land Dendonka is okay. But what do you think about this? I want to get your thoughts. Obviously, I could talk all day, but I do have you on, Arvin. So what is your take? Do you think the golden generation has failed? Of course it has, because, you know, obviously in the semi-finals, there there was a number of chances that they missed and they got punished for it by France. And this time, I don't know, I I, I just think you can't, right now, I think Italy are just not unbeatable, but in a certain way, as in, you know, Ian Hazard wasn't as good as he was back in 2018 as well. I don't think a number of their players were as good as they were back in 2018, apart from maybe you could say Lukaku and Tielemans, but that's about it, to be honest. And yeah, no, I I, I think it has felt because, you know, you look at De Bruyne, for example, 31 years old, look at Lukaku, Lukaku would still be there, I guess. But Ian Hazard, you know, he's just getting injured every single time. The back line is just dusted, it is finished, it is broken, it is retirement, home FC. And the midfield, well, Axel Witzel is now coming up to 34, 33. So, yeah, he's sort of done. I don't know whether they're going to put Leander Dendonka centre-back or CDM. You know, if you do have to replace either Vertonghen, Alderweireld or Axel Witzel. And, you know, for me, they don't really have a very good left wing-back as, for example, Itzy have Spinazzola and they have Torgan Hazard, who isn't really their defensive, you know, best defensive player. I mean, I remember when they had Jordan Lukaku, but, you know, he's not exactly that good. That's right, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I do think they have failed completely. I do think, you know, the hype coming into the tournament, obviously, Harry Crick, you, you'd think that Belgium are somehow this god team. Well, you've been proven wrong, my son. And, you know, yeah, I have to ask you this question. I mean, do you think they can come back in World Cup 2022? Yeah, um, first of all, Harry Crick, we need to get him on soon because we literally mentioned him like four to five times at each podcast. He's basically a feature jumped by Liverpool expert Harry Crick. But, you know, my take on this is, yeah, I don't know. That's why I asked you this because I don't want to think about it. For me, the defence is finished. There's no there's no yeah. way. This The reason they play a five at the back, there's nothing there in the centre-backs. Uh, you know, Toby is, is basically finished. Uh, you know, I could talk about all these defenders. The wing-backs... I mean, there there is there is potential with Doku and Hazard and other players who are still a relatively young age. Midfield, 
is still there, in my opinion. The attack, I don't think the attack's finished as well. I mean, the KDB will be 31, which I still don't think is that old, especially for a knockout tournament. Lukaku will be around 30, not that old. Eden Hazard, you know, I won't really count him for that. You have, you know, like I said, Doku can play there. You have, I mean, Carrasco is still quite young. I think he's 28, 20, 29. Then you have Mertens. Yeah, 27. Mertens is, is old. So I don't think it's completely over. But for me, this was a tournament that, where they really could have won the whole thing. I don't think they're going to be a bigger a bigger powerhouse on the next one. If you go, I mean, if you go, I'm trying to say they're not going to be finished, but they're not going to be like up there with the favourites in the next one. But I mean, yeah. Think about it. they could emulate what Issy have done because obviously Issy don't have the youngest team either. If you have to say it like that, I mean, obviously Tiedemann's around the same age as Barella. Obviously, the two centre backs are around, you know, just a, a little bit younger than Benucci and Chiellini. So I think the manager does come into question as well, Martinez. You know, how close is he with the players? Because apparently, I heard before that there was maybe some arguments and stuff like that, like Mernier. Yeah, I don't think right now he even knows his best 11. I mean, Doku comes in sometimes, you know, he puts in a very good performances. I have to say, Doku's terrific. He's classy. This guy's on lining both speed at the minute. So, yeah, he's just terrific. And, but... Yeah, there's just sometimes, you know, De Bruyne versus Lukaku, there isn't really that connection that I used to see before, which is weird, but, you know, it is what it is, to be honest, and you know, Belgium, yeah, I don't know, they just don't look as close to me as, you know, AC do, especially with the chemistry between the players. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Jeremy Doku, so I think we should go straight on to the, the main player for Belgium today. We've already mentioned Doku on this podcast after the game that they had against, was it Finland, the last game they had in the... In the group stage, I believe it was Finland, and Doku mm. was outstanding in this game. And I mean, today he was again the one player who's so fearless on the pitch. He, you know, the run where he could have banged it in top corner. He went round oh, wow. like yeah. four or five uh, Italian defenders, like we said. We've mentioned how solid they are. He just went past them like they were like North Macedonia. He absolutely ran past them and nearly scored. So oh, I just think he's he's everything. He's he's really an absolute baller. Maybe not your Mbappe's and your other players but you he's really destined to be a star isn't he yeah well definitely judging off of you know the time that he's had to play in the euros he's been fantastic here you know everything that belgium did good was always come around him the big chances obviously that uh tall and hazard Lukaku chance where nasa chadley uh, played in and there was a deflector cross uh cross and i think there was another one where Oh, Lukaku, uh, well, uh, Spinazzola blocked it on the line, which I think came from Doku uh, the first time. So, and again, there was a couple of moments where you just obviously that shot you alluded to was just terrific. And this guy, yeah, every time he was just taking them, Spinazzola was getting ripped by this guy, absolutely ripped. Actually, no, I think it was Dealer, yeah, it was Di Lorenzo who was getting ripped to pieces. And, you know, and he was really the only guy that showed pure, you know, showed that he was taking the game by a scruff of the neck. I think Lukaku, you can only feed off the little scraps. De Bruyne was not, he was subpar at best. And, you know, that's about it, to be honest. And Doku was their man of the match. Yep, definitely their man of the match. No doubt about that whatsoever. And um, the rest of the team, really, really poor. All aspects of the pitch, whatever they came in, whatever subs. Chadley was probably their second man of the match after his two-minute spell on the pitch. I'd say he was pretty good in that two minutes. But apart from that, no real standout players. Um, Kevin De Bruyne. Now, this is... Before we kind of round this off with our with our second-to-last point, this is the one we kind of want to allude to. And, oh, I mean, another big game. But, you know, he has just come back from injury. Another big game. He's just ghosted like Casper the Ghost. As James Easter would say, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Casper the Ghost just ghosted out the game and... 
literally went for a stroll during the game. What, what was the issue with the runner today? <laughs> I don't even know, to be honest. I mean, I think that Italy midfield crowded them out. Like, you know, what happened in the Champions League final, I do think he was crowded out. I think he needs to have space to operate in. And, you know, he just didn't get that today at any moment. You know, Italy, when he got when he went on the ball, there was around five, six players, you know, all around him, cutting out his passing lanes. He can pick out that ball, but I think this guy, he just, sometimes he just, I think the last two years, for example, not last two years, that's a bit um, mad, but, you know, last year, it's a bit weird. I just, I don't know if he's turned up necessarily in terms of big games. He certainly didn't in the Champions League final. And, you know, there's times where Manchester City were goal down or something like that and De Bruyne just didn't do anything. And I don't, I don't know what it is about him, but, you know, he's he's still a quality player. He's still world-class, I think. But obviously, I just don't think it was his day. I think it hasn't been his day for, you know, the first game where he came in against Denmark, he was absolutely class. But apart from the, the last few games, he's been really, really bad. You know, he came in against Finland. I believe he did play against Finland, if I'm not mistaken. And he just drifted mm-hmm. out of the game. He yes. played against um, Portugal. Didn't really do much. And, you know, I do think it's the injury that... Wait, what? He, he had a face injury, didn't he? What the hell am I saying? Yeah. He literally just had a bump to the face. Man up. Nah, De Bruyne's had a shocking, shocking tournament in my eyes. And, you know, you rely on him. He's He's been poor for Man City this season as well, in my eyes. Um, in the Champions League final, he drifted out. Oh, he did get bloody molested by Rudiger. But apart from that, he's just been... He's had a really poor season. He doesn't step up in these big games and... I think that is what's stopping him from getting up to your big, big, you know, levels of, mm. you know, top five, six players in the world is this big game kind of fear, if you go, know I mean, and yeah, this does happen. But, you know, this is leads on to our last point, our Italy favourites. I will tackle this one, I think. Uh, our German mm. football expert doesn't really want to comment on his rivals. But I think Italy, you know, I mentioned it from the start of the tournament. I, I love the way they play. It's built for different systems defensively going forward through the midfield. Everything is built to win this tournament. And the only thing I'd say is holding them back is that front three. But today, Insigne played well. Chiesa played all right. Berardi was tracking back, like you said. And um, yeah, I see them as favourites if England weren't in the tournament. I'm joking. Obviously, I think Italy will win the tournament. But yeah, you know, I think they will get past Spain and they will win the final. And I would not be surprised. I big up to Nashal. He said in this podcast right at the start, before anything kicked off, that he said Italy are going to win. And you know, big big player. I think Mancini is a big big factor to have. You have a title winning manager, Premier League winning manager. Um, so yeah, I think. I think Italy will win the tournament. But anyways, guys, I'm going to wrap things up now. Thanks for listening to the, to the podcast today. And, you know, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow at 9am UK time.